There's a lot of podcasts out there, but this one, you never know what to expect. It's always fun. Feel all the emotions with your host, Mercedes Rich, and every surprise guest. Now it's time. And the artist is... Hey, what's up? It's Micah Tyler. So how's it going in life other than tour-wise? What's What's been going on? I had a really busy fall of working on a bunch of stuff that we're finally getting to release this spring. So it's been fun. We didn't get to celebrate good things. I had the book come out back in January, Walking Free, Taking Small Steps to a Big Guy, and which was really fun. First time for me to write a book. So that was an awesome little experience. And so we've been getting to hear people. It's like a 40-something day study. So now people are actually have read the book and I'm getting to hear their stories out here on the road, which is super special. And then um, last week, uh, we released a brand new uh, EP, The People Like Us EP, which is really fun with some new songs. I'm really, it's been fun to kind of sing and get to hear people sing back to me now because I've got the songs I can listen to, which has been great. And then, yeah, and then I See Grace uh, it has been number one on Christian radio for the last three weeks. Wild, yes. wild, wild to even be thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> so that's been fun getting to go out on the road and, and kind of see the evolution of that song because we were singing it last fall and people were kind of getting to know it. And now here on the spring tour, with it being a song that's, you know, really, really on Christian radio right now and playing a lot, to hear people like really embrace those, those songs and sing out, it's just like a, an absolute blast. So it's been, it's been awesome. That's awesome. What's the difference like between writing a book and going on tour and singing? You know what? When it comes to songwriting and writing the book, I was really surprised with how how many similarities there are. For, for me, I've got two rules that I apply whenever I'm I'm writing songs, and I was able to apply the same rules to, to writing a book. Rule number one is always anything that I say, anything that I write, anything I'm singing. I want to all align it with scripture. I really take that seriously. We've had everything we can through you know, what God's words already said, because for me, the safest thing for me to, to sing into a microphone is something that God has already ordained to be important. And so that's always rule number one. And so the book was the same way. And rule number two is I, I, I want to make sure that I'm writing something very honest from the point of view that God's given me. Because I've only got these eyes to see the world. I've only got this heart to love the things around me. I've only got these feet to carry me, uh, you know, from one step at a time around the places that God's calling me to. And so I try to really, when I'm writing a song, I, I may not be able to tell you what I had for breakfast the day that I wrote different or, or what shoes I was wearing when I wrote Walking Free. But I can I can really tell you where my heart was and what God was teaching me in that moment. And so when we wrote the book, I was like, man, I just really want to be present and do the same thing. Uh, the big difference would be is that a song is three and a half minutes and, and the book is 250 pages. <laughs> so I got to stretch my legs a little bit more on concept than what I typically would trying to, to, to really define everything down into a three-minute song. Mm. Did you ever experience like writer's block when you were writing it, or did it kind of just flow out of you the entire process? I would say it was, I wrote it with a guy named Robert Nolan, who, who's written a ton of books already, and so Robert became a, just a dear friend of mine during the process, and so he was, he was always one that knew how to, he, he knew how to counteract some of the writer's block and some of the things that kind of got me tripped up here and there. But, but also, I think the fact that I was a youth pastor for, for nearly a decade, and I've been doing music now full-time for about 12 years. And so I think I had a little bit of a, some backed-up sermons built up in me. And so when it was time to write the book, a lot of it just kind of came flying out. And we definitely had those moments where it's like, okay, what do, how are we going to do this? Because we, we, we wrote 42 different steps, and each step is a different concept, a different way that we can take a step with Jesus and, and trusting Him and, and running this race before us, but being very targeted with each step at a time. And so, I, you know, I wanted every step to be special. So a lot of times we were, like, going through it here. We'd, we'd write something down, and it'd be like, I think we can beat this. I think we can, we can come in with something better or stronger. And so, you know, there, there were definitely those times of challenge. But for me, the same way in a writer's room when I'm writing a song, anytime that you – there's getting stuck where you have nothing, and there's a really, really good stuck where it's like, man, I think we have something really good here. 
but it's not good enough. Let's see if we can dig a little bit deeper. I think we can come up with something better. We can try to beat this thing. And so it was a lot more of that than, than, than getting absolutely just, you know, at a complete halt. But yeah, that's, that's kind of part of the, part of the process. Part of the grind is really trying to fight for what is the best thing we can write on a page right now. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So what I really want to talk about today, focus on is a line from one of your songs and just kind of dig deeper into it. And that line is greater or grace is yeah. greater than all of my sins. So let's start with that, you know, break down what that means. What was your thought process when you penned those words? Yeah, well, you know, if that section is is pulled from, you know, a, an old hymn that I remember singing as a kid in our church. And then also, you know, whenever I was a youth pastor, having students sing that song and trying to understand that concept and trying to, to help them to be able to, to really realize what the depth of God's grace is, is more than what we put into the equation. So it's not like we are able to earn grace. It's not something that we work hard enough and go enough places and do enough good things where God's like, okay, now I'll, I'll give grace to you. The Bible says that God's grace is sufficient for us in our weakness, so we should boast all the more in our weaknesses. What Paul said, that's a hard thing because grace is not given to us because we're good. God God gives grace because we desperately need it, because we're weak, because we are weary. And so it is such a comfort to know that there is a grace that is greater than any sin that we will ever commit. There is no there is no opposite to God's grace. There's no sin that is deeper or that matches the depth of uh, of, of badness. To, to just show the goodness of God's grace. And so, man, when that when that when when we were sitting in the writer's room, I was writing a song with Matthew West and a guy named Zach Kale, who's a country writer, who's an amazing writer. Um, and whenever we kind of got to that line, it's like, oh, we could go to the hymn, and we realized that we're going to tag it with grace that is greater than all my sins. There was a lot of fist pumping going on in the room that day <laughs> because it was like, that is, that's the thesis thing that we want people to take away from this song is that, man, you can see grace in your life, but just know that no matter, no matter which direction you are running in right now, if it's the complete opposite, wrong direction, there is a grace that brings you back in and will show you just the goodness of how good our God really is. Mm. I got to say also, I appreciate the perspective of the fact that you used to be a youth pastor and you wanted to kind of pull that in as to how people can really understand this. You know, my growing up, my parents were youth pastors and I'm a youth leader now in my youth group. Yeah. And it's it's something that's been impactful in my life. And it's just, it's, it's so powerful because whenever you break it down like that, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's different. So that's cool. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's always important to me because I'm always looking at, you know, when it, as a youth pastor, my ministry was very relational. I mean, it's, it's not just showing up to church and preaching a sermon. It's going to the football games and it's going and, and, and trying to catch the recitals for the band concerts and stuff like that. And it's really trying to get in there deep and showing them like, Hey, I not only want to just tell you something good, but I really want you to understand why I believe this thing in my life and why you should too. And I want to show you that, well, the hard thing about me being a touring musician is that that's, that's, not, that's not really how my ministry works when it comes to concerts, because I show up, and like last night, I got to show up in a city for 30 minutes and play songs, and, and, and so I want those songs to really mean something, because if I don't get the long-term relationship with people, um, I still want those things to stick, which is also the reason why after all my shows, if there is any way possible, which, so last night, I stood at my merch table last night for about an hour and a half afterward and got to t- hear people's stories and I got to sign autographs and get this guy just say, hey, but for me, it's kind of getting that chance to be the youth pastor, getting to kind of dig in there and hear the stories and have that relational time with them. In fact, I, I got a message uh, from a girl last night that I'd met and she didn't tell me this in line. But I got a, a message um, from her on Instagram later telling me that earlier that morning she's been battling depression and had a razor blade against her wrist mm-hmm. last night or yesterday morning. Her husband stopped her. They came to the concert. And while I'm singing different, she just 
realize that God, the guy just wants to change your heart, wants to build something else inside of her. And so, again, that's the reason why writing something that lines up with God's Word all the time means something, because I'm going to fall short. I'm, I'm not going to have all the answers all the time. But if I can write a song and for three minutes they're reminded of the truth of what the Gospel's already said about them, that's something that, that's able to stick even beyond my voice being on stage. Mm. That's so good. So powerful. And the, the way that God can work in so many different situations like that is incredible. Yeah, so absolutely. Good. Yeah, it, it, and that's the thing. It, it's greater than all our sin. Like, really, grace has a way of being able to find its way into whatever situation we have. And it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's this thing that really wraps around our stories and really infiltrates those moments. And in a way, it is a one-size-fits-all because His grace is sufficient for all things. So it, 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 it's a really neat thing where it feels like God is so small and personal, but also so big and expansive that he's able to cover all things. He's able to be the firm foundation underneath all things. He surrounds all things and he fills all things. And I pulled a quote from your social media that I wanted to kind of dig into a little bit. It said the word supernatural can sound weird or scary, but the definition is of or relating to an order of existence beyond the visible observable universe. So many times in my life, I fixed my eyes on the things that I can see and miss out on the chance for my faith to trust in the things and the one I can't see. I focus on the waves and storms more than the one calling me out onto the water. So that was from Walking Free, right? Yeah. Yeah, from the from the book, absolutely. Yeah, so I bring that up to ask you, you know, how does the supernatural aspect of God fit into the role of grace and the grace that He has for us, and how how can that translate into how we show grace to others? Well, you know, if I think if our lives were put on, if we imagine God sitting on a throne as a as a judge, you know, and really looking, and we're in a courtroom, the odds are just stacked against us. I mean, the, 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 for the wages of sin is death. I mean, that's straight up scripture. All will fall short of the glory of God. These are all in Romans. But I love what it says in Romans 5a, because it talks about God's great love in this way, that, that God demonstrates his great love in this way, that while we were still sinners, that's when Jesus died for us. And so grace looks at us, and, and again, the superficial is us just stacking up you know, our, our rap sheet, like the things that we've done, the things that we can see, the things that we can trust, the things we can feel. And the, fun, the, the, the sad thing about this world that we live in, even though this is our temporary home for right now, Nothing is nothing is going to actually build something for eternity here on this earth. The only things that actually have something that are going to last beyond the eighty some odd years that we live on this earth are the, are the, the supernatural, are the spiritual things, are the is, is the way the things that God is building inside of our chest and building inside of our our heart, the hope that He offers to us and the grace that He's able to show us. So you go back to that courtroom. And again, if we're looking at things superficially, then we've sinned, we fall short, we deserve death. But the gift of God, it says at the end of Romans 6.23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And here's the deal. We, we cannot hold that eternal life in our hands, but it is something that supernaturally transforms us so that beyond the temporariness of this, the 80 years or whatever, however long we have here walking on this planet, um, I mean, there is a, there is a home for us in heaven that lasts forever, that is eternal, that is so much more. It doesn't corrupt, it doesn't break down, and then we get to experience that heaven here on earth through God's mercy and God's love and just this grace that is greater than all our sin. And what, is it, what do you think is some practical advice on how to apply all of that to our lives, but also to show grace, especially when fellow humans hurt us? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if we can really tap into the gratitude we have for God's forgiveness 
to us, then how in the world can we not turn around and offer it to the people around us? There's stories in Scripture of, you know, uh, it was a slave that was forgiven. He was had a debt of owed against him, and it was this large debt, and, and his master freed him and starts beating on them and trying to, like, find them guilty, and, and, and is just so mad at them. And the master goes back and just says, you wicked slave, like, why in the world are, were you offered forgiveness but aren't showing it? And so I think that when we really understand Jesus, when I wrote the song Different, it kind of goes back to the whole idea of, I don't want to turn into the best version of myself. I'm, I'm not trying to turn into the best Micah I can be. My, my job is to fix my eyes as I run this race on Jesus and the author and perfecter of our faith, not the one who just designed us to be really good people, but the one who says, I'll perfect your faith. And the only way for us to have perfect faith is to be more like Jesus. So if we're going to look more like Jesus, that's not just for our self-benefit. It's not so we can look in the mirror and be like, well, I feel like Jesus today. It's for us to actually go out, and if we're going to live like Jesus, who looked out for the least of these, he said, all the children come unto me. He's the one who's going out, and is, it is speaking truth to the Pharisees, but also showing compassion to the world while hanging on the cross, and people are casting lots for his clothes at the bottom. Like, he is, he is the living embodiment of full-blown forgiveness, because he literally hangs on the cross, and as he's breathing his last accounted-for breath before he dies on the cross, he says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. So even before that, it's not him saying the world is asking for forgiveness and I am deciding to forgive them. He is on the cross saying that he don't even know what they've done right now, but I am choosing to forgive them because that is what I, that's who I am. So if we're going to live like Jesus, it can't just be a person who is forgiven. The book Walking Free is an opportunity for us to take it one step at a time and just say, okay, what would it look like to take the same kind of steps that Jesus took or the same kind of steps that God is calling us to take one step at a time and be very focused and very purposeful um, with each and every step because at the end of those 42 steps that we take, man, I think that it would be a really sweet thing to know what it feels like to love and look at the world the way that Jesus did. Mm, absolutely. And living like Jesus, that kind of leads into our calling and God's calling on our lives. And that leads into a question that I like to ask everyone that I talk to. So I realized God's calling on my life while living in an RV in Arkansas. So what's your life in an RV story? How, when did you know God's calling on your life? <laughs> so I uh, I was a youth pastor at 18 years old. Uh, felt felt a calling to go into youth ministry while I was at youth camp when I was 17. But at 18, graduated from high school, became a youth pastor. When I was 20, I got married to my high school sweetheart, and in the process, I wanted something else on our Wednesday nights with our students. Our group, little group had grown to about 30 kids, and I wanted something special every Wednesday. And so I bought a guitar, hoping that one of the kids in the youth group would learn to play it, um, and they didn't. They wasted my pizza budget on that guitar, <laughs> so I was like, well, I should learn a few chords in this thing. Started picking around and playing, and kind of like, so figured out a couple songs, lead on Wednesday nights. That turned into me leading worship for like our youth group, and then it turned into me leading worship for like other youth groups around the area and stuff like that. And I started doing youth camps and that kind of thing. And and again, it wasn't God's big giant mega voice just reaching out and saying, "Micah, here's the plans I have for you." But it was this thing of like someone taught me we will never stand before Jesus and Him say, "Well done, that good and successful musician." Our, our our job is to be a faithful servant, and my job is to faithfully serve whatever God's putting in front of me. And all of a sudden faithfulness in my heart just really got directed towards music and it's not because I loved history for nine years and loved it so much would still be doing today if God did not just really radically change what God what, what I felt like my calling was supposed to be in that moment but it was just really drawn towards being faithful to music at that point and it's not because we had a record deal or because we had a tour bus picking us up it's because we just wanted to be faithful so we sold over half of what we owned 
We bought a single wide mobile home trailer. Um, I started doing odd jobs. I was a substitute teacher. I drove a sausage delivery truck, which was a, a real job. And I mowed grass and just tried to go out and play youth camps and do things like that. And so, it, again, I'm sure when you guys have spoken to in an RV in Arkansas, God didn't just go, okay, well, here's, here's the next 20 years for you. You can start right now. It's you going and taking that next step. And that's the thing. All we can do is just take those next steps of obedience that God's calling us to something to be faithful to. Um, and so 12 years later, uh, I'm, I am riding a tour bus right now. Uh, we're on tour with one of the biggest bands in the history of Christian music right now. We've got a song that's playing on the radio. But if I'm being totally honest, I'm still doing the same thing today as I was 12 years ago, which is I'm trying to be faithful to what's in front of me today. So getting to talk to you is an opportunity for me to brag about Jesus, brag about God's grace, mm-hmm. um, and be faithful to this calling that he has me for today. I love that. And your living in an RV story had to do with a mobile home. So it kind of relates, which is so cool. I feel like the square footage is very similar. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. That's that's awesome. So how can I and anyone listening pray for you, your family, everyone that you're on tour with? Yeah, I, I, as, a, as a tour, like, there's a lot you see someone standing on a stage, there's a family back home that sent that person there. Mm-hmm. And so I've got a wife and three kiddos. My wife is, is the rock star who lives in our house. So she's the one who is making sure everybody is at soccer practice or is taking the field trips or is making sure the homework's done, like all those kind of things. And so it's, and, and like I said, that's, I'm one of, you know, people out on this tour right now who have a, a wife or kids or a mom and dad or brothers and sisters or whoever back home. And, and so, yeah, I, I would just say, Praying for us to be able to focus on the people that are in front of us at the concerts, but also just protect and watch over the people who are back home for us um, is a huge thing. Because when they're hurting, man, it's real hard. I'm, I'm not shaking those things off before I walk on a stage and, and try to perform for somebody. I really want to be the dad and husband that God's called me to be. I know these men and women who are out here are trying to do the same thing. So that's a big thing. And then, yeah, so that just, just that we don't, when, whenever things don't go the way that we plan them to go and things do creep up and hurt, that it doesn't stop us from, from having a fire in us to share the gospel. Like, really, I want to share the gospel well every single moment that we have out here, whether it is on a stage to, you know, 4,000 people uh, in Colorado or it's sitting on a bus and, and having conversations with guys and knowing that, you know, we're sharpening iron here together uh, as, as we keep trying to be faithful that God's calling us to. Absolutely. Well, is it okay if I pray with you real quick? Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for the beautiful day that you've given us today. And thank you for another opportunity to serve you and and just the ability to wake up today and know that know that you are in every situation. Lord, I pray for Micah and his family and everyone that he's on tour with, that your hand is just over all of them and that your peace is over every situation that they're in. And I pray for all of their families that they have back at home and that they're they're holding down the fort and that they are continuing to, to learn about you and to trust you in every situation, Lord. And I pray that all of the people that are meant to be at these shows, that they show up and that they, if they don't know you, that they find you. Just that you show up, Lord, at all of these shows as well and on the road. Amen. Love it. Amen. Thank you, Mercedes, so much.